Women in White Coats is here to uplift women doctors just like you. Empowering you in your personal and professional life. I'm Dr. Amber Robbins. And I'm Dr. Archana Shrestha. We are doctors, best-selling authors, and the co-founders of Women in White Coats. Now, are you ready for a culture shift where women empower women? Join us to get a glimpse of what life is like as a woman doc. And guess what? You'll discover that you're not alone. We're here to give you positivity and keys to balancing your life. This is the Women in White Coats podcast. Welcome, everybody. I'm so excited to be talking today with Letizia Alto. And she is a physician, a real estate investor, and blogger at Semi-Retired MD. She and her husband started investing in small multifamily real estate in 2015 and have grown their portfolio to 61 units. So on her blog, Letizia helps physicians learn to invest in real estate to achieve financial freedom and live their lives on their terms. So welcome. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here and really excited to talk to you about real estate. Yeah. So thanks for taking the time. And I guess I just kind of wanted to start with, you know, what made you interested in becoming a real estate investor? How'd you get into it? That's a great question. Um, You know, it wasn't like something I've thought of for the last 20 or 30 years. I actually um, discovered it because I think I would, well, because I was looking for a way to kind of live my dream life. And I had realized when my, so my husband had asked me on a, on just a random drive one day, you know, what, how do you want to live your life? And I had realized that I was living this life that wasn't actually what I wanted to do. And, you know, as a physician, I, you know, had these, had this path out in front of me. And I realized that actually what I really wanted to do was spend my time hosting and being with my friends and growing olives and all these other things that, that didn't involve, you know, working, every day as a physician working like 60 hours a week, like I was at that point. Um, And so when I realized that that was the life I wanted to find was this life of freedom, uh, I had my eyes open. And about six months later, I saw real estate and I absolutely knew right then that it was the right choice for me um, to build this kind of lifestyle that I already had pictured. So that's how I got into real estate. Okay, and and so from there, like where did you start? So you're like, okay, real estate, did you have prior experience? Like, how did you get started? What were your initial steps? Questions. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> luckily, my husband, um, well, we were just newly married and he had been buying real estate and actually play, doing what we call gambling now. It's called, he was buying appreciation plays in raw land that didn't bring him money and holding them for like three, six months and then selling them for, um, you know, large gains. And so he had been caught in the 2008 uh, downturn with this this mon- these high end condos and land that didn't bring in money they didn't cash flow so he had that real estate experience um, I just love property and when so this all started because my husband and I were um, driving and we read Rich Dad Poor Dad and one thing that Robert Kiyosaki did, does a lot of is real estate and he doesn't really tell you how to invest in real estate in that book, but he gives you the sense that you need to buy assets and assets are things that bring you money every month. And, you know, you can be a business owner and own your business and have an asset there too. Um, But to some extent, being a business owner is a ton of work. I mean, you know that you're building a business, right? It's, you put your heart and soul into it and 
you in the beginning make yourself another job right and real estate's a little bit different because you buy an asset that's already cash flowing you make it cash flow even more you force appreciation and all the systems are already there for you you know you don't have to go educate the consumer you already have a consumer it's it's the person who needs a house you don't have to build all the systems you they're already property managers they're already contractors they're already you know, in investor agents, like the, all the systems are there for you. So it's kind of a lot more plug and play than creating your own business, um, like in the traditional terms. So real estate, like after we read that book, it was like so clear that this is what we wanted to do. And we were actually in the middle of finding ourselves a primary residence at that point. And we were like, that's it. You know, we went back, um, we were in New Zealand when we found this book, when I, when I first read it, we went back to Seattle and said to our agent, like, we're real estate investors anymore. We don't need a primary residence. Every dollar we have is going to go into buying multifamily properties. And about three months later, we bought two duplexes and we were like on our way. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I love that book too by Robert Kiyosaki. It's just so, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is, is this one. He's written multiple, but mm-hmm. um, I like that book too. It really kind of opens up your mind um, I think that as physicians, it's kind of a good book to read because you start to realize that when you're employed, he even says it, it's kind of dramatic that you're a slave. <laughs> and I think that's probably some of what you were feeling working 60 hours a week as a, as a hospitalist. Well, you realize you're trading time for money. And if you ever want a life where you control your time, you can't trade time for money. It just doesn't work because you always have to give that time to get to get enough money to survive. So yeah, it, it just changes your mindset. And I think it's a really, really core book to read for anybody. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It does change your mindset for sure. Like once you realize the power of, you know, passive income, you know, and so we'll talk more about that. But I wanted to ask before we jump into like passive income, but what what has been your goal with real estate then? Has it been to hopefully like replace your entire income for the both of you or just to allow you the freedom, freedom to cut down your hours? Yeah, that's a really good question because I think that if you have that goal starting out, you're so much more likely to get there. And what is so lucky about what we did was when we read Rich Dad Poor, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right away we said, okay, well, what's our goal with this? What do we wanna do? And we, we decided right there that in seven years, we were gonna replace both our clinical incomes with real estate. Mm-hmm. And so because we had that goal, we knew what we were working towards. We were so focused. I mean, we came back, we got like a coffee machine, we cut out Starbucks. I like got rid of my Nordstrom card. Um, you know, we decided not to get a primary residence. We decided to put all of our money into, you know, uh, buying rentals. We house hacked actually just the, you know, two of us and our like 12 month old baby living in a duplex North of Seattle. Um, we just, we were so focused on what we wanted. We had such a strong why that we were like heads down working towards it all the time. And every time we thought about, you know, do we want this luxury? You know, it was like, do we want that? Or do we want another duplex that brings us in money? And, and then the decision-making became so much easier because we knew where we were going and why. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's so key. It sounds like that's such an important thing of knowing like, what's your why and where are you trying to go? And out of curiosity, are you guys close to it? Because I know you're almost at the, I guess, a couple more years till you're at the seven year mark. Yeah. So, um, you know, when you include tax savings, we're definitely way beyond it because we have not now paid income tax for five years because we uh, found this 
basically it's a loophole for real estate investors that the government has put in there purposely to encourage people to create real estate businesses and provide housing for people. And so because of that, um, it's, it's pretty phenomenal because not only do you get the cash flow, but you get the tax savings. And when you take that and you put it right back into reinvesting in more properties, your trajectory is just totally different. And so, yeah, we, we make our combined incomes each year in our cash flow plus our tax savings. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Congratulations. So I'm curious, like, you know, how passive is real estate? Because I know sometimes people are thinking like, okay, it's just passive income, right? But the reality is that oftentimes that you're also the landlord. <laughs> As a landlord, anyone who's ever had a landlord or is a landlord knows that there's certainly a lot of work that comes with that. It's almost like being on call for your, um, for your renter. So, so how passive has it been for you and how are you managing 61 units? It's a great question. So, you know, it's real estate can be as passive as you want. So you could invest in REITs, which are just equivalent to like kind of stocks in real estate, right? And that'd be completely passive. What we do is we own our own rentals. So, you know, a a less, another option that's, you know, more passive is like investing in a syndication, but we actually own our own rentals. Now within even the own your own rental space, there's ability to be more or less passive. So if you own your own rentals, you can put them in a property manager under the care of a property manager and you can pay very little attention. So that's on one end of the spectrum. And like Kenji's mom does that. She's 70. She's got like these student rentals. She's got three buildings and student rentals in Philadelphia. Her property manager does everything. She's very little involved. Um, we like to be involved. And the reason we want to be involved is for that tax status to be able to be an active real estate investor. Um, we need to be very, very involved in our own properties, minimum 500 hours a year we spend on our own properties. Um, and also we really want to be actively involved because we want to maximize cash flow. Like if you're not overseeing your property manager and you're not really actively involved, money will get lost. There will be mistakes made. And so we manage our property managers. Now there's an even more active version, which is if you self-manage every property. Um, and we only self-manage a couple of ours that we have in this self, um, it's called supported living program. It's housing for intellectually disabled. We, we self-manage those. And then we use the software to self-manage one of ours. But um, some people just self-manage everything and you're right, they're on call. Um, but the benefit is if you get enough hours and you get real estate professional tax status, then you're stacking that tax savings on top of your cash flow, and it's significant. Wow, wow. It sounds like you've really got all the, you know, you have the really good know-how um, on all the details. That's so awesome. Now, um, I'm just curious, though, like as women, since this, this talk is uh, kind of geared towards mostly women, you know, many of us also wear other hats. Like I know you're, you mentioned you're married and I believe you also have children too, right? Mm -hmm. And so how do you manage that? Are you, how much time are you spending on the real estate? And then is women, you know, are you going, you know, I, sometimes I worry about like being a landlord and like having to go somewhere as a woman alone, you know, to maybe collect rent or something like that. How do you handle those types of situations? Yeah, one of my property managers, she uh, she actually carries a gun around when she goes. One of my property managers oh, in wow. Spokane. Um, 
again, we don't really self-manage much. So I have, I have managers uh, for all my properties. So I'm not collecting rent. Um, I'm not dealing with the, you know, issues in the evenings or weekends or whatever. I, um, I deal with my property managers and I certainly am involved in like making decisions about increasing rent or running a rehab project or things like that, like kind of the bigger um, oversight type positions, but I'm not on the ground, you know, doing, you know, putting in the tile or whatever. Um, so luckily, you know, my husband actually does most of our day-to-day -day activity with our real estate. I'm the CEO of our blog and he's the CEO of our real estate. And so originally we were 50-50 on everything. And then, you know, it got to the point where decision-making was difficult sometimes when we disagreed. And so we had to choose a CEO for each business to be able to have somebody be able to meet, be the final decision-maker and overrule the other person. So he's our CEO for real, real estate. And that's great because he's our real estate professional. So he tracks all his hours and make sure that we get real estate professional so we can shelter our taxes. Um, he needs to spend a minimum of 10 to 15 hours a week on our properties to be able to get this status. And so he's very involved. I mean, right now he's running a rehab project on a 32 unit we bought. He's running a rehab project over in Spokane on a four unit we have. We're building duplexes up north and uh, we need to find another property. So we're actively looking at other new deals that come in. Um, mm -hmm. And I, I sit down with him every week and plan the big picture items for our business, but I'm not doing the day-to-day, -day, like actually, you know, talking to the property managers. He does that. Mm -hmm. oh, okay. So that's awesome that you guys are doing it together and can kind of like divide and conquer and keep growing the business and work together. It sounds like you're both very passionate about it. So that's really cool. Well, because it's our future, you know, mm -hmm. if it's your future, you take it very seriously. I want to also speak to some of my students and what they do, because, you know, not everyone follows the same pattern as we do. So we, I mean, we have students, we have a lot of single mom students actually, who are doing all of this themselves. I mean, I know just thinking back in the last month, one of my former students from a previous class, she posted in our Facebook group and she said she's bought eight units herself in the last year by herself, she's a single mom. So there are people doing, you know, going out, buying properties. She has a property manager, but some people are self-managing and they're carrying a full-time job too. And so it's very possible to buy real estate on the side. It does take work to buy the properties and to get them into service with your property manager. Um, but if you're not going to get real estate professional tax status and you don't need to be spending those 10 hours, 15 hours a week on your properties, you can, you know, fit that work interacting with your property manager in the corner. And so it's not, it doesn't have to be all consuming if you don't want it to be. And people are very frequently doing this plus working full time as a doctor. We hope you're enjoying this podcast episode. Let's take a quick commercial break. Hi, fellow women in white coats. Are you a physician who is dissatisfied in your current job? Have you been thinking about pivoting and making a career move? Or maybe you have realized medicine isn't quite so stable and that you need additional sources of income. Since so many doctors are wanting to pivot in their careers right now, we just hosted a Women in White Coats virtual summit called Women Docs Thinking Outside the Box. You guys, it was an amazing summit. 
Attendees heard from a phenomenal lineup of guest experts who are all women docs, thinking outside the box, living life, and practicing medicine on their own terms. They shared their best tips for making a transition into everything from telemedicine and locums to physician leadership, lifestyle medicine, and medical media and coaching. We even had experts talking about how to get started in real estate and stock investing and entrepreneurship. Here's what attendees had to say about our virtual summit. Thank you for creating this summit. It came right on time. Definitely relit a fire in my spirit. I'm looking forward to what is coming. Another woman doc said, very informative and uplifting. One of the other attendees said, really terrific summit. I called a friend in another state and told her, you have got to get in on this. She loved it too and found some great out of the box ideas. And finally, another attendee said, I have multiple tangible ways of diversifying my income now as a woman doctor. So best of all, my friends, that as a result of this summit, women docs took action on these new ideas and are now on the path to living life on their own terms. So even though you missed the live launch of this summit, you can still gain all the wisdom and insight by watching all the recordings. Just go to womeninwhitecoats.com forward slash virtual summit and get registered today. Now back to the episode. Now, how have things changed with real estate investing given the current pandemic? Like, have you noticed any significant changes? Is it still a good time to get started in real estate? So there are changes. Um, The changes are there are eviction moratoriums in most states. um, And some states have even been extended to the fall. So for example, um, on our 32 unit that we own, when we bought that, our intention was actually to increase the rents and give everyone notice and actually move every, you know, a great majority of people out, rehab the whole property, and then move in new tenants at a higher uh, increased price. Because of the eviction moratoriums, we've not been able to do that. So as people move out, we're doing the rehabs. We're still finding good tenants to move in and to pay the new higher prices. Like we're basically taking the rents from like 725 to 950. We're doing like total rehabs on each unit. Um, But we do have some tenants who aren't paying. And so that's, that is what it is. And we can't evict them. So, you know, I think that it is going to affect us somewhat financially, but we always build in this cushion of at least 10% cash on cash, which means for the money we put in, we want to get minimum 10, 10% back each year on that property. And that's just our cash flow. Um, we are also earning because our renters are paying down the mortgage. We're also earning because we're forcing appreciation. And so, um, you know, with this property, all those amount that we increase rents are actually our property value disproportionately even increases more. And so when we're done with this property, we will have forced probably a million dollars of, of um, appreciation in this property just by doing these rehabs. So we're, our cash flow is less, but our property is still, you know, building our wealth in so many different ways. Um, but there will be less cash flow in the short term, certainly. Um, you know, I really hoped that this downturn was going to bring a lot better pricing, and it hasn't. Um, people are still like real estate so hot because of the tax law and how attractive it is to buy properties that 
we haven't seen a huge drop in prices. There was a, like a little blip in March, but it's still very hard to buy properties. Um, but I can only imagine in the next six months, I, I cannot imagine that this economy keeps going and that real estate prices stay this high. And I know a lot of people have gotten themselves in trouble not buying cash flowing properties. They bought properties that they wanted to appreciate and they're net negative every month and they're supporting those properties and eventually they will get into trouble and they will need to sell. So I can imagine down the road that more properties, more deals will be coming on market for better prices. It just hasn't happened yet. And so to your question, is it a good time to buy real estate? I think it's always a good time to buy real estate as long as you have strict criteria for what you're looking for and you're buying cash flowing rentals, which are, you know, putting money in your pocket every single month because those are assets, they aren't liabilities. And if you think something's an asset and you're buying a liability, that's a huge mistake and you will get into trouble eventually. Okay. Such great advice, Sarah. Thank you for that. And now, um, what are some of the, like, what would you say are your top two to three tips for someone who is just starting out? You know, let's say we've got some um, audience members here who are like, wow, this sounds great. I really want to get into real estate. What would you say, you know, are there top two to three things that they should do or to be aware of, or maybe, you know, start with to get, you know, just, just to get started. So number one is to get started. And again, <laughs> I think most people will tell you that when you ask them this question, because I think a lot of people um, think that they want to do something and then they just are stuck in analysis paralysis, trying to make things perfect and they never actually act. And, and that is, you know, that's such a bummer <laughs> because with real estate, with any other investment over time, your wealth just grows with time. And so if you start today versus started five, starting five years from now, your wealth will be in such a different place because of compounding. Um, and so it's really about starting now, um, you know, getting educated uh, and actually taking action. Um, so that would be my number one tip is to take action. Number two is to take educated action, right? Not just go buy a property without really understanding the cash flow and understanding that you want to buy an asset, not a liability. Um, I, we train our students to use a cash and cash calculator. And with the cash and cash calculator, you basically, before you even put an offer on a property and definitely before you buy it, you do all the numbers and you get the best data you can. So you're like putting in purchase price. You're putting in, what is my insurance going to cost me? What is my property manager cost going to be? You know, how often are the units going to turn over? What's my vacancy rate going to be? What, what's my maintenance going to be? What's my rent going to be? And you put in actually all these numbers. What are my loan terms going to be? So you have to have this whole team to get these really good numbers. And what a lot of people do is they look at properties and they're like, oh, I really like this. And they get emotionally involved and they buy it. But what I would say is you have to have strict criteria and you have to have really good data that you're plugging into your cash on cash calculator to understand what you're buying, because otherwise you're taking risk and you're taking unnecessary risk. Because if you had all the right team members in place and you had all the accurate numbers, you can predict how your property will perform over time to a really high, you know, high percentage like of accuracy, but you've got to have the right numbers and you've got to have the right team in place. So I know that's only two, but that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Those are really, really great points. And I think to your point of like not getting too emotional about it, I think we've got to be, as we are clinicians, right? Doctors, we can be really objective about what we do with taking care of patients. But I think that's great advice for selecting a property too, because even 
for me, I know when we uh, just looking for our personal home, you know, you can get really emotional about it, but then it may not make sense. You know, it's like, but doesn't actually have the criteria we were looking for. So, <laughs> um, but sometimes you walk in, you're like, oh, I just like this about it or that about it. But keeping objective is really good advice, especially for investments. Yes, definitely. And actually, I want to add one more thing. Um, I was I was doing a podcast the other day. And I realized through it is that as physicians, we're always trained for like looking for the worst case scenario, you know, and we're always trained to look for like, make sure the bad stuff doesn't happen. And so our tendency is to focus on the really bad stuff. And I realized that's part of our training, but you know, you definitely want to lower your risk with any investment, including real estate. Like you want to think through everything. You want to have a plan in place. You want to have multiple exit strategies. You want to know all your numbers but you also want to give yourself space to not think that everything's going to fail and not think that everything is going to, I mean, there will be challenges, but you don't necessarily have to expect the worst case scenario all the time. Like a lot of people come to me and they say, oh, you know, so-and-so had a bad experience or, you know, real estate's too risky because of blah, blah, blah. And you don't give yourself a chance to really dream and to grow and to see the possibilities of what if you do succeed because you're so busy looking at what if I fail, what if I fail, what if I fail? And mistakes are inevitable, but even if you make mistakes, you can still succeed. And I guess it's just the focus. If you always focus on the negative and the worst case outcome, you're never gonna get anywhere and you're definitely never gonna act because you'll be too scared. Yeah, that's, that's some really good advice for everything, right? Everything in life. Um, so now how can people learn more about becoming a real estate investor? And I know you mentioned that you've got students and it's a, and a course as well. So I'd love for you to share that information with people. I'm sure people would love to check it out. Sure. Um, so we blog, my husband and I both blog at Semi-Retired MD, um, and we have tons of information in there. And we try to write these actionable articles that people can actually read and use instead of just fluff. So um, you'll see that our articles are really like kind of narrowed down into like answering specific questions and like walking away with an answer. So there's tons of free content in there. We also podcast now at Rich Doc Poor Doc. And then we do offer a course twice a year. And we actually have 850 students in our current course, plus their spouses. So it's quite large. Um, and so it's, it's really fun. This week is introductions to investor agents. So people are going to go, you know, start meeting their, that member of their team and building their empires. Wow. And is that course specifically designed for physicians? Yeah, I would say about 80% physicians, 20% high income professionals. And then we let spouses in for free. So it's 850 plus spouses. So I guess the Facebook group's like 1300 or something. Okay. Wonderful. Wonderful. That sounds like a really great resource. And um, yeah, so as we close it out, I just wanted to ask, um, now, are you, how much are you working clinically? now like so what has real estate really done for you I know you kind of mentioned that you are getting pretty close to your goal but have you been able to cut down clinically are you are you living the, the life that you hope to live or getting closer to it yeah my husband uh, has been a moonlighter for gosh probably four or five years now um, and I've been half time until actually I just submitted my resignation like a week ago to just go down to a moonlighter because there's so much going on with the blog. It was like something had to give in terms of my time and the blog is so fulfilling that, uh, yeah, it's just in the end, it took precedence over, you know, carrying a halftime position anymore. Wonderful work. 
Leticia, this has been so incredibly um, informative and thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Well, thank you for having me and I'm really excited for everyone to learn about all the opportunities out there because there are so many for us physicians. You know, we, I think we go to school, we see this narrow path, but there's so much other stuff that we're capable of doing at the same time as being a physician. Thanks for listening in to this podcast episode. If you're a doctor wondering how to get started as a real estate investor, you have to check out Leticia's course called Zero to Freedom Through Cashflowing Rentals. It's a hands-on eight-week course that guides you through the entire process for successfully selecting and purchasing your first rental property so you can create more monthly income right away. I'll post the link in the show notes so you can join the waitlist. The course opens up in mid-December to people on the waitlist, so be sure to click on over and sign up. Thanks again for listening in. See you back here soon. Hi there, Women Docs. We hope you've been loving this podcast and feel uplifted at the end of each and every episode. If so, we would really appreciate it if you could give us a five-star rating and write us a positive review. Those reviews help us get the word out and help uplift and empower more women doctors. But you know what? We'd love to meet up with you in person. So head on over to womeninwhitecoats.com and sign up to become a member of our supportive tribe. When you do, you will be the first to hear about meetups in your area as well as upcoming live events. You'll also get our latest blog articles and podcasts delivered straight to your inbox. And you'll be the first to find out about the next time we open up our virtual Doctors Lounge, an online membership community created just for women doctors, where each month we run masterclasses with guest experts and masterminds on topics relevant to women doctors. While you're on our website, womeninwhitecoats.com, Order your copy of our number one best-selling book, The Chronicles of Women in White Coats. Oh, and be sure to follow us on social media too. On Instagram, you will find us at Women in White Coats blog. And on Facebook, you can find us at Women in White Coats. Can't wait to meet up soon.